Squadrons of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAP, have been detected in the skies over Ukraine by a team of researchers. These researchers have very creatively used the very same process that causes our sky to turn blue as a way to measure how far away these UAPs are. And their discoveries will astonish you. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. Welcome back. Wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world, this is the Spectral Skull Session, and I am your host, Dane. As Ukrainian researchers study UFOs, the struggle for the future of Ukraine continues to escalate. The Ukrainians have initiated their much-vaunted Kherson Offensive as they attempt to retake a small sliver of land that the Russians have occupied since around March of this year, it's a sliver of land on the sort of north or western side of the Dnieper River. Now, the Russians have been pushed back from all their other territory they took on the west side of the Dnieper River, but they, they continue to hang on to this northern Kherson area. Um, and so Ukrainians have been shelling them with long-range artillery, and now they've begun charging at the Russian position. So intense fighting, but there's a media blackout on the Ukrainian side course, the Russians tend to lie about everything, so I'm not reporting what the Russians are saying about the results of the offensive. We'll see within a week, probably, what the outcome is. But on the international front, things continue to worsen. The Europeans have begun cutting off the Russian visas. So Russians are going to have a harder time now of going to visit the European Union. Perhaps in response, Putin has dropped the amount of natural gas that he will deliver to Western Europe from 20% of normal to 0% of normal, saying that he does not intend to return gas anytime soon. And no one knows what exactly is going to happen there, what the situation is going to be in Western Europe this winter. I've heard reports of Germans stacking firewood and checking out bomb shelters. For all we know, the situation may be even worse in Russia proper. A Wall Street Journal article this weekend reports that on the economics front, we're really in the dark about the situation in Russia because as soon as the war started and the sanctions went into effect, Russia actually stopped reporting macroeconomic statistics. So right now, we are completely in the dark about the amount of damage that the sanctions have actually done to the Russian people. Could be anything from 4% damage to GDP to 40%. We have no idea. Now, for most of us, the most hair-raising news to come out of the Ukrainian theater in recent weeks has been the fighting around the Zaporozhia nuclear power plant. That is one of four nuclear plants in the state of Ukraine. 
It was operated by the Ukrainian energy company Energotom. That sounds like Energy Goat. And I always imagine Energotom as, um, you know, maybe they're going to start a side business where they make a kind of drink like Red Bull, but they call it Energy Goat, you know, and it's going to contain like radioactive goat milk. And you drink it and then you have the courage to rush the front lines because you know you're a terminal case now, right? You're going to die anyway, so why not fight as hard as you can? Energy Goat. They'll provide it for free to the Russians, I think. Um... So I'm going to joke about it because the situation with the power plant's really dark. It's really scary that they've been fighting over this power plant through the whole war. The Russians took it over in March. They've been terrorizing the crew that works there at the plant. They're there having a tough situation at that plant, working at the plant. The Russians have been parking their military vehicles at the plant. They've been firing missiles from the plant. Meanwhile, the Ukrainians have been bombing the plant. They use artillery shells hit the plant. There's been damage to the plant infrastructure, the plant's uh, superstructure, rather. We know that the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Association, has actually gotten some inspectors in there. They say the situation is quite dire. One Ukrainian plant employee secretly or privately told the UK press, he says there's a 90% chance of a nuclear accident at this point, given not just the damage that's happened to the physical plant, but the amount of stress that the workers are under. The Russians are saying that just this week, there were two Ukrainian commando attempts to retake the plant. Ukraine calls that a, quote, fabrication. Now, Reuters says they had an independent reporter on the ground, and that reporter saw Russian helicopters flying around on the day of the alleged commando raid, on the day of one of those two raids. And they saw these helicopters firing at the ground. They couldn't tell what they were firing at. They also saw Russian soldiers running around in a panic. So I think it's quite possible, yes, the Ukrainians attempted to actually drive down the river in speedboats and land at the campus of the nuclear plant. Now, it's a massive, sprawling complex. They were hoping to do some sort of uh, like a 007 James Bond type raid, retake the plant. That seems to have failed catastrophically. But again, there is a Ukrainian media blackout, so we don't know exactly what's going on. The Ukrainians aren't saying one way or another. Most of the details are coming from the Russians. We know they tend to lie about almost everything. Stay tuned for the end of this episode, and I will give you my opinion of where this war is headed and what's going to go on. But let me say, with the nuclear power plant situation, um, it's of special interest to those of us who are involved in the paranormal because we know there's a long history of UAPs or UFOs flying around nuclear devices. And we know that UAPs and UFOs also seem particularly interested in military conflict, right? So now we've got military conflict at a nuclear power plant. It's a ripe situation for increased UAP activity. Now, there's a rumor that's been flying around at least 10 years, I'd say. And that is that, um, that, is that the, the Soviets during the Cold War actually used to use nuclear weapons to lure or bait UFOs. They would put a UFO, uh, nuclear weapon out, you know, in a field somewhere, and then they turn on their cameras, and then the flying saucers would come and buzz around it like flies looking for a piece of meat. Now, whether that's true or not, this is certainly a situation where we might say, well, if it were true, we should see more UFO activity in the skies over Ukraine, given how chaotic and uh, chaotic the situation is, and how the chaos is sort of centered around at least one nuclear power plant. Finally, we're getting some good results 
A Ukrainian research team claims to have sensor data tracking two distinct kinds of UAPs in the airspace over western Ukraine. They found these UAPs by using meteor tracking cameras at two observatories, one in Kyiv and another one some dozens of miles south of Kyiv. The cameras were synchronized so they could make more complex observations. The research team identified many, many different UAPs. They called them, in fact, squadrons. Uh, And of those UAPs, they discovered two distinct kinds. The first are black bodies. They emit no radiation, so they're just completely black. These objects, the team nicknamed phantoms because they're black. Now, you would think that they would be completely invisible against the backdrop of space, but the research paper says these objects were, in fact, visible due to a phenomenon called Rayleigh scattering. Rayleigh scattering is this phenomenon where as light from the sun passes through the atmosphere, it just it diffuses, it scatters, and the scattering causes it to change color. That's why the sky is blue. What the scientists are saying is that even though this object was completely black, it caused a disturbance in the atmosphere that altered the Rayleigh scattering and thus allowed them to see it. So it sounds like something like uh, the movie Predator, where you, yes, it's cloaked, but it's distorting the light that passes through it, which allows you to sort of see the area where it is. They also found another class of UAPs that they're calling cosmics. The cosmics were pretty much the same sort of thing as the phantoms, except that instead of being completely black, they were glowing. So they were somewhat luminous. Now, if I understand this paper correctly, they got the best data from the phantoms, and I'm going to explain why. They clocked one phantom as moving at 7 kilometers per second. That's 20 times the speed of sound. It's only 15% below orbital speed, which is the speed an object needs to move to stay in Earth's orbit. 7.9 kilometers per second is nominal orbital speed. Go slower than that, and you will fall out of orbit. Go faster, and your round orbit turn into an ellipse. Of course, if you sustain a speed much higher than 7.9 kilometers per second, you will exit Earth orbit entirely, plunge into the depths of space. Now, what was really cool about this paper, they have information on the size and the distance of these UAPs. They actually caught straight-up camera footage. They say it's color footage. And if you want to go look it up, the article is titled Unidentified Aerial Phenomena 1, or it's the Roman numeral I, 1, Observation of Events from from the Main Astronomical Observatory, NAS of Ukraine. I, I'll put some of those photos on the Twitter site and the, uh, the websites for, as well for you guys to look at. They're really not much. They're just pixelated blobs, and then they have... Um, They have some color, like false color images. Let's get to that. So the main innovative thing about this paper, something at least I had never seen before, the techniques they use to figure out the distance and the size of these objects. So these researchers say they were able to use Rayleigh scattering again to determine the distance of the objects. And the idea here is that they had this color camera and they were able to break the colors down into red, blue, and green and measure the intensity of red, blue, and green. And they're saying if you know the albedo of an object in the sky, then you can use the color intensities to figure out how far away it is. So albedo is just a word for shininess. 
So they seem to have assumed that these phantoms were zero albedo. They're completely black. They call them black bodies. I think that's because they pointed the camera at them and they looked black in the center. But um, so they say the object pushes air around. So they can figure out from looking at the air, the light that passes through the air around the craft, they can figure out how the colors have changed in contrast to the color of the background, the sky. And so that tells them how far away the craft is. I'm probably not doing the best job of explaining this, so I'm not a, a physicist, but um, I was a little suspicious of this. I was uh, suspicious of the, what they call colorometry and the use of colorometry to determine the distance of an object. So I did a little bit of searching and I found another science article. It's a, um, it's like a summary of what happened at a conference. It was a 2005 summary article about a conference, Vision Sciences Society annual meeting. Anyway, they wrote there in this article, I found um, Rayleigh scattering causes distant objects to appear bluer than their near counterparts. The phenomena is exploited by landscape painters who add a blue tint to represent more distant objects. So apparently this is a completely legitimate phenomena. I just had never heard that you could actually use it to definitively figure out how far away something is. That's what these researchers did. And the result, they deduced that at least one of these objects, a phantom, was at 683 miles up or 1,100 kilometers. So that's just above the ionosphere, a region of the atmosphere that's filled with ionized gas. It's in the exosphere, which is a region of the atmosphere. It starts at 600 miles, extends to 6,200 miles. It's really just sort of a, a liminal space between the ionosphere and space. Most planes only fly at 6 to 7 miles up, or that's 10 to 11 kilometers, so way below this thing. The XR-71 Blackbird the highest flying aircraft in the world, it only flies at 16 miles up, right? So again, this thing's at 683 miles. The other aircraft or the other UAPs were at comparable heights. Now, this thing was flying high enough that it could actually be a satellite. It was about twice as high as Elon Musk's Starlink satellites. So I had the question, is it possible they're just maybe getting Starlink satellites on their color cameras but it's they said twice as high as a starlink and when they had photos of the objects along with this uh, estimate of how far away the objects were they're were able to figure out how big they should be so they figure these objects were three to 12 meters in size that's 10 to 40 foot so could easily be some kind of aircraft or drone it's just that we don't have anything that flies that high well except satellites i was not able to figure out if it's possible these things were satellites, they didn't make any attempt in the article to like rule that out, which would have been helpful, I think, for them to say, well, we thought about maybe they're satellites and here's why we don't think they are. They don't make any attempt in this paper to explain what these things are at all. Could these be American drones or even Chinese or Russian drones? I don't think the Russians have anything that could perform like this, but... Maybe the Chinese or the Americans do. Maybe they're flying these things over Ukraine to spy on the war. I know absolutely that the United States has a wide range of spy craft. Satellites, planes, uh, a wide range of different spy craft in the skies over Ukraine. So that could be... But they said they saw many, many of these things. They didn't say how many, I noticed, but they kept emphasizing how many they were seeing without giving a specific number. So it seems that this research is sort of in the preliminary stages. And this was just a preprint. It wasn't a peer-reviewed 
uh, journal article. So they'll probably have to revise it when they come out with a publication. Let me say, I think it's very exciting. It's the kind of thing I think we UFO enthusiasts want to see done wherever possible participate in, because these scientists are using cameras and instruments to observe UAP directly, to do their own work. They're not turning to the government and begging for the government to declassify information. They're doing it themselves. And by using a range of different, you know, like measurement methods, like this colorometry thing, um, and that's going to be what ultimately leads to verification that the UAP phenomena is physically real. Is when, by the use of multiple different methods, we come to the same result. Yes, there is an object there in the sky, right? You can see it. You can measure it this way. You can measure it that way. And we keep getting the same results. It's really there. It's not an artifact. It's not a measurement error. It's not misidentification. So that's what will be required. Now, this, this preprint doesn't get us there because it's going to have to go through the whole scientific review process. People are going to criticize the article. People then have to try to replicate the finding. And then, of course, we need people to replicate these findings in different ways, right? Use different kinds of instruments to make the same sorts of observations. And so that will be what leads to the scientific legitimation of UAPs, or what we often used to call UFOs, if it is to be legitimated. Now, have there been any critics of this paper yet? So Jason Calavito, he's sort of a professional skeptic. I've mentioned him before on the show. He's like a large-ass skeptic, the kind of person who's always dunking and debunking on UFO stuff. Now, he tweeted, this article may be an attempt to get the Pentagon's interest as a sort of desperate plea by the Ukrainian military industrial science complex to tap into a source of funds and largesse. Well, he didn't use the term military industrial science complex, but he was implying that the Ukrainians might be sort of trying to fish for a way to get attention or support. Um, I had a thought that was in this vicinity, but nowhere near as mean-spirited. My thought was that this paper may actually be much more about the colorometry technique so this use of color to assess distance, maybe that's what they're really interested in. Is this like a legitimate way to figure out how far away things are in the sky? Is it possible that perhaps they're doing some kind of military industrial counter-espionage work, perhaps trying to figure out how high drones are or a new way to use cameras to detect drones, and they're using this UFO stuff as cover? They may already have money coming in from Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian government or the United States government or somebody, uh, and this may just be convenient cover, this UFO thing. Who knows what's going on down there in Ukraine? It's a, a bit of a black hole right now. Like I said, they have a media blackout. In any event, it's great to see Ukrainians continue to do scientific research, even as their country careens, possibly leading the entire world into total destruction. And let me comment on that now. There are couple ways in which this war is getting out of control. First, with the Zaporozhia nuclear power plant situation, Ukrainians, they've attacked this plant multiple times. They also started the fighting at the plant. Despite that, we see this Zelensky guy take absolutely no responsibility for the fighting at the plant. He says over and over that the Russians are provoking it. You know, we have to attack the plant because the Russians keep using it as a base for weapons. Maybe they wouldn't be using it as a base for weapons if you hadn't started out the fighting there in the first place. Second, the whole logic that you have to bomb the plant because there are tanks or troops there, 
It's very much like an abusive husband who says to his wife, why do you keep making me hit you? Clearly the Russians are the bad guys here. They started this whole war, but that doesn't mean that you're not responsible for what you do during the war. You can't bomb a nuclear power plant. There's a level of irresponsibility there that makes me question our alliance with the Zelensky government. I feel like something is kind of going wrong there that is on a bigger scale. But, you know, maybe it's all Russian propaganda, although, you know, Reuters says they think there was probably an actual fight, an actual commando attack at the base. Um, I'm not trying to defend the Russians here, and I'm not really trying to editorialize too much on the war, but just say it seems like a situation that's getting scarily out of control. And then, two, it's looking like there's a lot of fighting. Nothing's really happening, so the territory doesn't change hands. I'm thinking this is turning into more of a World War One type situation where you've got a lot of trenches fighting with artillery, but nothing ever really changes. And if that's the case, I think we're looking at this winter, similar to World War One, public health disaster. World War One ended with the Spanish flu, that both sides were worn down by constant fighting and exposure to the elements, and so a new variant of the flu swept the trenches, basically wiped out the Germans. They were unable to fight anymore. They had to call the war off. We may see as early as this winter that a new variant of the flu or a new variant of coronavirus spreads through Eastern Europe and basically puts an end to the Russian, maybe both the Russian and the Ukrainian ability to fight. So I think, I guess I am kind of editorializing. It seems to me like we should sort of calm this war down. I'm just saying I'd like to see Putin and Zelensky sit down together and crack open an ice cold case of energy goat. I hope we find the UAPs. I hope they're not Chinese UAPs spying on American actions in Ukraine. I hope it turns out that there's something more interesting, weirder, and uh, friendlier, much friendlier than the Chinese or Russian drones. Until next time, I have been Dane. Stay strange and stay sane. Thank you.